be in First Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. Joe, how are you doing? Can you hear me today? You can. Okay, good. <laughs> well, Joe and I have something in common. We're both a little bit hard of hearing. <laughs> Anybody else hard of hearing in here? <laughs> no, no, everybody else is good, right? <laughs> well, you're blessed if you have good hearing, that's for sure. So we're going to be reading out of First um, Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. Well, if I get to the right page here, I guess I'm in Second Peter. We'll try First Peter here. Okay, First Peter chapter 2. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that ye may grow by it. If so, be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious, to whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God, and precious. Ye also as living stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore who believe he is precious, but unto them who are disobedient the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. And a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense, even to them who stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. Shall we pray? Loving Father, we do thank you for your word and for the truth that we find here, for the blessing of it, that we as believers desire the purity of the word of God above all else. And we desire to know Christ and to live for Christ, who is the true foundation of the church of Jesus Christ. And that we are built upon that foundation, Christ himself. And so we ask your blessing, Father, and by your spirit you will minister to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, truly, this is a wonderful thought and a passage that would should be endeared to each of us is to realize that believers are a spiritual house are a spiritual house well of course you could put church there the church is a spiritual house and of course Christ himself is the foundation upon which the church is built. And we are called living stones. Uh, that, that we are built upon that foundation who is Christ, our chief cornerstone. And so we'd like to just look at this passage and take some thoughts from it this afternoon. 
First of all, as believers in Christ, we are to live the life of the Word. To live the life of the Word. Now, of course, that is to live the life of Christ. But since we find all of our inspiration from the revealed Word of God, we find that the Word of God is our instruction book of how we are to live. And of course, we many times uh, find it difficult to follow the instructions as closely as we would like to. We sometimes falter along the way just a bit. And so we have to be reminded that these uh, areas that are mentioned here, that we are to lay aside them, to lay aside all malice and the various lists of things which are very, we are very easily sometimes um, overtaken by them. And so we are to live the Word of God out in our lives. Secondly, as believers, we are living stones built up a spiritual house. We are built up a spiritual house. And, of course, in verse 4, that's what he says, to whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Well, since Christ is the true foundation of the church, everything that is built upon Christ must be worthy of being built upon that foundation. And so we are chosen. We are chosen to be those stones those living stones. Christ is the great cornerstone. And in verse 5, ye also are living stones. So we have to recognize that we are a spiritual house that God is erecting for his glory. Thirdly, as believers, we are built upon the chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. And so we find that Christ is that, uh, that one cornerstone upon which we are built upon. And of course verse 6 says, Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. And uh, that comes out of the book of Isaiah. And we'll look at that in a few moments as well. But let's go back to the beginning and just go through some of these verses here and relate some of these truths to us that we may see the importance of the building, the building which is Christ. As believers in Christ, we are to live the life of Christ. So, looking at verse 1 and 2 in particular, or 1, 2, and 3, Wherefore, laying aside all malice, and all guile, and hypocrisies, and envies, and all evil speakings. And so we find that we are to be pure in the kind of life that we live. Well, we realize that the Lord has called us to purity. The Lord has called us to be holy, 
and even as the Lord himself is no respecter of persons, and that we are saved by the precious blood of Christ, verse 19, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, we find that we are to then live in a pure way and in sincerity of faith and truth in Christ. Now, of course, we may understand that uh, these examples that are given here are taken from the world, the way most people in the world live. What is malice? Malice of forethought? Well, we might say the harboring of evil thoughts against another person. And as we think about other people and sometimes how they mistreat us, what about the Lord himself? Certainly he was mistreated. And they told many things against him, rumors and lies and various kinds of things that were meant to hurt him and destroy him. Yet we find that he himself was the, the greater uh, proponent of truth that we are to love our neighbor as ourselves and that if we hate our neighbor it is like seeking to murder that person and that it is more important to give than to receive that it is more important to be a good Samaritan to someone than it is to return upon them the evil that they have in some way put upon us and so there are many, of course, that harbor evil thoughts against people. They nourish um, antagonism. They build up grudges. They have secret hopes of someone becoming just as uh, ill-treated as perhaps you have been or I have been. A kind of revenge or a harm or that maybe a tragedy would overtake someone. And yet these things are not the kinds of things that God wants us to, to, as, to do as believers. But rather it is to turn the other cheek, it is to allow others to slander if they will. And these things are hard, of course, to bear. But when we do bear them for Christ's sake, then it is noteworthy. But if, we, if they fall upon us because of our own fault, then what is that but something we just deserve, perhaps? So we find that it is difficult when we think about some of these things because the fallen human nature wants to kind of cuddle up close to this thing of called malice at times. And we know that that is not what the Lord intends for us to do because we are to be his emissaries and ambassadors of the gospel and to take the gospel of Christ unto the world. And so he says, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies. Well, I suppose uh, guile here is something like deceit, dishonesty in various forms, what you know, one might perpetrate uh, certain 
areas where one might falsify things or even when we think about the political area today there is a lot of this kind of thing going on of course where officials are perhaps bribed and where businesses and extortions and various kinds of things go on and dishonesty kind of rules the day among many in the public life if it is to their advantage. In fact, one of the kind of the main tenets of being a, a political candidate is that you have to say bad things against the other person. And the world doesn't think that you can win without slandering the other person and tearing them down. And so it is accepted. It is accepted and um, to do anything other than that in the, in the world in which the political life and, uh, is at play um, means that you probably won't survive out there. And uh, that's pretty sad when you stop and think about it. It's very sad. I was listening to Mike Pence and his wife, and they were making certain comments about what they um, went through to decide to run for political office, you know, being uh, the vice president, that he would run for political office again. And he even said things like, we thought we were too proud. We didn't have enough humility. We thought that we needed to humble ourselves more. Now you don't hear that from most candidates. And of course the, the, news, uh, the news commentators and various pundits out there were saying, oh, he isn't charismatic enough. Uh, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't uh, wow anybody when he speaks. He, he doesn't say things uh, that are going to impact the other candidate uh, in any real way. And they said, oh, he's an Oham candidate with no, no particular um, quality for a political speaker. Well, you see, they, they were grading him based upon uh, the same qualifications that the other candidates have. You know, that they are kind of um, growling and snarling at the other candidates and ready to chew them up and spit them out if they can. And whoever can spit out the other candidate the best is the one that will come out on top. You know, the whole dog-eat-dog -dog thing. Um, now, I'm not necessarily saying Mike Pence is the best man for the job. I'm just saying there's a big difference in what he was saying and what the other guy was saying. And what he was saying was more in line with what the Bible says. And as believers, we find that the world won't agree with you if you do not, uh, as it were, in their eyes, stand up for yourself and fight back tooth and nail when when somebody comes against you. But that isn't what the Lord told us to do, really, is it? No. The only, the only way we're supposed to fight back is when we are contending for the faith. 
when, when we are standing for the truth of the word of God and for the godliness which, God, which Christ himself asks us to, to stand for, those things we are to stand true with. But when it comes to malice and guile, no. Hypocrisies, of course, this is another kind of insincerity that he talks about here. Certain hypocrisies. And it is, in a sense, to be a play actor. Um, general, generally, the example is of the theater in, in the day of Shakespeare when the actors would come out and put a mask on and play a part. Um, many people do put their max, masks on when they come out and, and speak when they're politicians. You know, they say one thing when they want to be elected, and then after they're elected, sometimes they say something else altogether differently. Um, and so this play acting, of course, can go on in life in many different environments. It can, you can, one can play act in a family and not be true to one's spouse. One can play act at work and not be honest about the things that they are doing there. One can play act as a Christian and say that they are devout and living a godly life when the truth of the matter is they may not be at all. And so we find that all of these things, these um, areas that he mentions here, um, are, are that which we are to lay aside as believers. And uh, which means that we have a responsibility to, to do that ourselves. We can't rely upon somebody else to do it for us. We have to live out the life of Christ in our own life. Work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, as it were. And show our true faith by our works, our godly works. And so he says, laying aside all malice and all guile and all hypocrisies and envies, uh, people being envious, this is a pretty much common thing, to be faced with a certain jealousy that you are envious of someone else, either in their position or their, or their wealth or their or station in life or whatever it might be. We find that envy is something which can cause a great deal of heartache in a person's life if they're given over to it. And then he mentions evil speakings, which I guess covers a pretty broad area, doesn't it? Evil speakings. And we don't have to wonder what that is too much when we go out and have a certain amount of conversation with people in the world. We find a lot of evil speakings. Um, perhaps you have family members who are involved in evil speaking a lot. And you know that. And it's difficult to carry on a conversation with them because they, they speak evil all the time. And they want you to agree with them. And that's difficult, isn't it? To sit and have a conversation with someone who is, who is uh, just always putting somebody else down and, and perhaps using the Lord's name in vain and, and from whatever motive that they may be expressing their thoughts, their thoughts are not godly thoughts evil speakings 
But rather, he says in verse 2, as newborn babes desire pure milk of the word, that she may grow by it. Now, uh, this probably doesn't necessarily mean that the people that uh, Peter is writing to were new Christians. Although they may have been, some of them. But we find that to desire the pure, the purity of the word of God is something that each of us should desire. To know the, to know the gospel and to know the purity of the word of God and not any way confuse it with our own, um, interpretation, I might say. Because the Bible is supposed to interpret itself, ultimately, when we compare Scripture with Scripture and when we look at the text and discern what it is saying, we're supposed to allow the Bible to impact us rather than we, the Bible. And so we find the purity of the Word of God is necessary. Well, um, a newborn baby, of course, does want the pure milk as it were, coming from mother, because that is the food that they're going to need to be strengthened. And as I understand it, those first few weeks that the, the baby receives the milk from the mother is perhaps the most vital food that the baby can receive to be strong and to get a good start in life. And isn't it true when we come to be believers that the scriptures become the most vital food that we can take in as we grow in the scriptures. And so the example is one which is very adequate to our understanding. We need the purity of the word of God. We need the sincere milk of the scriptures. Otherwise, we may be feeding on what somebody else is saying that is not altogether true and may not be altogether nourishing. And so we have to keep coming back to the Bible and finding there the true nourishment that we might grow thereby. And that's what he says. And newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that ye may grow by it. That ye may grow by it. And so it is the, the word of God which is which is most vital to our growth. If so be, ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. If in fact you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Which kind of gives us the thought here that if you're really a, pro a professing believer and you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, then these things that Peter is talking about ought to be your greatest desire to lay aside certain things and to take unto yourself others other things and that thing being the purity of the word the purity of the gospel the nourishment that will truly be most beneficial to you as a Christian secondly as believers we are living stones built up a spiritual house in verses 4 and 5, to whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious, ye also 
as living stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Well, I think we can see the analogy that he's coming at here. It is an Old Testament analogy. Here is the spiritual house in the Old Testament, which is a very um, godly spiritual house, the temple. The temple, which was uh, erected by God, that is, um, upon the very design that God intended the temple should be erected. Having priests and sacrifices and being made holy and sanctified by the means and methods of which God himself did uh, institute. God instituted these various sacrifices. He says, he told them exactly what to bring and at what times to bring and to make these sacrifices. And the sacrifice was to sanctify uh, the people unto the temple, unto himself, if you will. Because Christ was truly there at the temple. He was, he was in the very presence of God, the Holy of Holies, the, the very Shekinah glory, if you will. Although I guess that word Shekinah isn't actually in the Bible, but the idea of this holy presence of God was very much uh, known to the people of God. And they were to be a spiritual house in the Old Testament. A spiritual house. And under the Old Covenant. And so we find that Peter draws this analogy, this likeness, if you will, saying that to whom coming unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious, this is, this is Christ, of course, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious, he says, you, you also are living stones. Why? Because Christ lives in you, the hope of glory. Colossians 1.27 He also are living stones and built up a spiritual house. And so we find that the believers are living stones built up a spiritual house because Christ is that one foundation which has been laid for us. That he has been sanctified for us as the one that should come in the fullness of time born of a virgin, to come into this world to be revealed and manifest as the only begotten Son of God. And he came to reveal himself. Yes, to save his people from their sins, to offer his sacrifice, a sacrifice that was most holy, that was received by God the Father, in the holiest of holies in heaven, if it were, as it were. And he, he himself is that, that uh, priest for us, as the book of Hebrews tells us. But he says, Peter says here, Ye also are living stones, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood 
to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. And so as we function within the church of Jesus Christ, we are functioning as a priesthood. Of course, in the Old Testament, there were the Levites who were priests and assigned to that office. But all who are saved in Christ are also part of a priesthood, a spiritual priesthood. And so the sacrifices we offer now are spiritual sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, as Romans 12, 1 and 2 tells us. And so we offer up those spiritual sacrifices unto God. And as we offer up those sacrifices, they are acceptable to God, not by ourselves, not because we are of a certain lineage, but because we are in Christ. And that's what he says. He says, acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus Christ, we find that these spiritual sacrifices are acceptable. We find whatever we do to the glory of God, as we offer up ourselves to live to his glory, is acceptable to him. And so we are living stones. As believers, we are living stones built up a spiritual house. In verse 6, Wherefore also it is contained in Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. And I'll turn to Isaiah on this one because sometimes it's just good to go back and see where they come from. Isaiah chapter 28 and verse 16 Isaiah 28, verse 16. Therefore thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation stone, a tested stone, a precious stone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste, or shall not be confounded. We find that Christ is this one in the Old Testament. You know, if you've seen any, any videos on the uh, temple and some of the stones that were used to build the, the temple, some of them were huge. I mean, tons and tons, 100 ton stone. And we can wonder how could they ever move that stone? Um, you know, today they, they have trouble doing what some of these old architects did, as you might say, by hand or by fulcrum or lever, or somehow they managed to do it by blood and toil and sweat and tears and the lives of people, I suppose. But this, uh, it represents when you see some of these architectural things which they did especially in relation to the temple, which was supposed to be the rival of any architectural design and the glory above any of the day. 
we find that God told them how to do it. Not a hammer was heard within the temple. No saw. No, nothing. Everything was made to fit precisely before it was brought there and then laid in place. Christ was brought and laid in place for us. From eternity past, from the foundations of the world, Christ was brought to be that foundation stone for us. Beyond weight and measure, beyond anybody's imagination to move to do what he did. In fact, nobody could do what God did through Christ our Lord. He became the foundation stone that would be the measure of all other stones within the temple and within the church of Jesus Christ. So when we look at Christ, we should realize that he is beyond measure, beyond worth. And he is the one who sets the, the true example and the true design of God that this temple, the spiritual house, which we are a part of, ye also are living stones, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Verse 7, unto you therefore also who believe, unto you therefore who believe, he is precious, but unto them who are disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. You see, there were those who were disobedient to the word of God. They were disobedient. But it did not stop that stone from being laid, which was of Christ, and which is precious to the word of God. I suppose we might just compare here. There, in, there are those in this world who are disobedient also. There are those in this world who would say, don't listen to this book. Don't think that it is the inspired word of God. Don't believe that one has died for your sins. Don't accept the truth that the scriptures are the inspired word of the living God. They are disobedient. But even though they are disobedient, does not make null and void what God has erected or established. God has established the church by his very own word and by his only begotten son. And he has made him the head of the corner of that temple, which you are a part of. Because you are living stones built upon the one foundation which no other man can lay but Christ.
And so the final word belongs to God, not to disobedient men, not to those who would seek to tear down the temple. And of course they ultimately did tear down the temple. But that was only made of stone and wood and gold and precious things. Man is able to tear apart things in his own, to his own demise, and Israel did it to their own demise. But God designed that Christ should come in the fullness of time to be identified as that foundation stone of a temple not made with hands, but made in the heavens above and that it should be to the glory of God and not man and that we should offer up spiritual sacrifices unto God not the kinds of things which men want to do today such as pervert things in their own malice or in their own guile or in their own hypocrisies or in their own envies or in their own evil speakings no not in those things but we are to offer up spiritual sacrifices holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And God blesses his people and God blesses his church and God is erecting that church. And by the way, it seems that there are many more living stones yet to be added. He hasn't come yet. There is still an opportunity for many to come to faith in Christ. And the temple which God is erecting, the temple of Christ, built upon the foundation of Christ, is one which is so magnificent that man cannot imagine its beauty. But God has ordained it. God has ordained it. Verse 7, unto you therefore who believe it is precious, but unto them who are disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. We know that it is precious. And it has been made the head of the corner. And a stumbling, stone of stumbling and rock of offense, even to them who stumble at the word being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. Well, in a sense, all who are disobedient are appointed to it because of their disobedience. Remember, the depravity of man doesn't say that everybody is as, as bad as they could be. The depravity of man says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. The depravity of man says, wherefore, as by one man sin came into the world, and death by sin. And so we know all share the depravity of the human nature. And so all who are disobedient and reject the cornerstone are appointed to it out of their own disobedience. And we should remember that. Because that will cause us to also remember that God has sent his only begotten son to save all those who will believe in him. 
and it will help us to realize that every person that we meet is someone for whom Christ has died. Every person whom we meet. And so we have an opportunity to turn them unto the Lord, to give them the message of the gospel, to give them the hope of salvation. And that we must continue to preach. It is the one thing that is required of us above all else that we preach the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is the power of God and the salvation to all who believe. You should not get hung up on, hung up on some other doctrine and think that that's the only thing you're supposed to preach first. No, this is the one you're supposed to preach first is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Once you've succeeded in doing that, other things will come. But that is the foundation stone upon which the church is built. And ye are living stones built upon that foundation because you know that the Lord, He is the precious one. He is the tried and true precious one and to believe upon Him is not to be confounded but it is to know him and to know life eternal. Believe as a spiritual house, shall we pray. Loving Father, we do thank you for your word. Pray, Lord, you will bless it to our hearts. Encourage us in it, Lord, that we may remember that we are truly living stones built upon the foundation of Christ, who is the chief cornerstone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.